McCarthy put a Band-Aid on the situation on Saturday by averting the shutdown. But the next two weeks are going to be picking the scabs. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, October 3rd. Today, I'm joined by Abby Livingston to talk about a roller coaster few days on Capitol Hill. First, a government shutdown narrowly avoided, interrupted by Democrat Jamal Bowman pulling a fire alarm during the negotiation. And then on Monday, firebrand Republican Matt Gates launching an attempt to oust Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. What happens next is anyone's guess. Abby is here to talk us through it. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode, The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy tuesday everybody welcome to the powers that be there is a lot in politics to talk about specifically on capitol hill which is why i'm joined by puck's newest contributor abby livingston abby how you doing i'm doing great but it's tough to keep track of the house of representatives of light Seriously, it's making the presidential race look pretty boring. Although, in fairness, the presidential race was already kind of boring. Abby, I'm coming to you from beautiful Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm out here this week doing some shooting for my Snapchat show, Good Luck America. We're here in Dane County, which is a Democratic stronghold. I don't think while I'm talking to people around Madison tomorrow, I'm going to run into a ton of Republicans. So who knows what opinions there are out there about Kevin McCarthy here in Madison. But holy shit, on Capitol Hill, lots of opinions about Kevin McCarthy. On Monday, Matt Gates, who is McCarthy's enemy number one, finally, after talking and talking and talking, filed a motion to vacate, basically 
trying to kick McCarthy out of the speakership. Obviously, Gates was, you know, one of the biggest holdouts during McCarthy's election. We're taping this right after Gates gave his remarks, filed the motion to vacate on Monday night. What's the state of play on Capitol Hill and the House Republican caucus? By the way, there's so many angles here. Democrats could choose to take McCarthy down too, you know, but like, let's talk about the Republican caucus first. Is McCarthy actually in danger? I think it's hard to tell. We have what I have been told all day is the next two weeks are going to be very dramatic and very crazy. One source put it to me as McCarthy put a Band-Aid on the situation on Saturday by averting the shutdown. Mm -hmm but the next two weeks are going to be picking the scabs. So it is very unstable, very uncertain. What surprised me coming out of the weekend, though, was a sense among some of the Republican sources I spoke to that maybe McCarthy, the momentum is swinging for McCarthy. Hmm. I could be eating my words in 48 hours, but I think a lot of the pragmatic Republicans who want to pass things were just I think that they appreciated his defiance. Mm -hmm. And there is, I don't know if it's a real sense or if it's hopefulness, but Gates, there doesn't seem to be an appetite to string this out. Gates has indicated he would be willing to bring this up again. Mm. And so my kind of takeaway from conversations I had was if you're going to come at the king, you best not miss. Mm -hmm. But if McCarthy survives this, he may be empowered, but it is still really too early to tell. This is very, very volatile. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems volatile. That's the right word. A good example of this is Congressman Byron Donalds from Florida. It's pretty MAGA. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure of the ins and outs of the House Republican Caucus, if he's specifically in the Freedom Caucus or not. But yesterday, he said McCarthy is, is quote, in trouble uh, after passing the resolution to avoid a shutdown. You know, he didn't concede to conservative demands. And then the next day, Monday, Donald said he's against the McCarthy ouster for now. And so did Chip Roy, another another conservative um, in House Republican world. Abby, aside from those Republicans that I just named, what's the Democratic appetite for removing McCarthy? Because, you you know, McCarthy theoretically would be, be better for Democrats than maybe a very, very right wing speaker. But at the same time, you know, McCarthy has done some some stuff the Democrats don't like, like supporting uh, an impeachment inquiry, for example, or putting Marjorie Taylor Greene on committees. What are Democrats going to do here? Because for McCarthy to keep his speakership, he's going to need some Democratic votes because his Republican majority is so narrow. So a Republican former Hill staffer made the case to me that there was a chance for Democrats to sing out of the hymnal they've been using through the Trump era of preserving institutions. And this Republican made the case to me that taking out a speaker in this way, which is so unheard of in modern history, will do irreparable damage to the House of Representatives. I think when you pivot and actually talk to Democrats, hmm. I don't know what they will ultimately do. But a lot of the reporting sources Democratic anger over the original debt ceiling deal that Kevin McCarthy made earlier this summer, but then he's doing a different dance with the spending resolution. But I think it goes back so much further than that. I had a Democrat who's in touch with members who said the reasons were a lack of trust, the Biden impeachment, January 6th, his defense of Trump, and then made the deal with Biden and backed out. And then I think as the spiritual leader of the House Democratic Caucus, <laughs> Pelosi has zero respect for him in the words of this source. <laughs> so I think 
Pelosi's doing everything she can to point to Hakeem Jeffries as the leader of the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think he proved that on Saturday. He sort of gave a little mini filibuster speech that went over very well. Even Republicans mm-hmm. were impressed with his oratory. But mm-hmm. I do think Pelosi does have a huge influence on the tone, especially in terms of Kevin McCarthy. So, Abby, speaking of the shutdown, a bunch of Republicans, you know, were supposed to be out fundraising <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. And man, up until the wire, I mean, I was talking to people on Capitol Hill and the White House and my sources on, on the Hill aren't as good as yours, but they were like, well, you know, we think there's going to be a shutdown, 99% chances of shutdown. And it's probably going to last weeks more than days. So the fact that they got out of that uh, hornet's nest is good. But on the political side, a lot of people had to cancel fundraisers and, and media activities uh, because it's just a bad look. Uh, to raise money while there's a government shutdown. So what are they doing now? Are they trying to get these fundraisers back online? Yes. So absolutely. There's a scramble to bring back fundraisers. But I think what has been enormously frustrating in the Republican political class is that the rebels have been raising a ton of money on social media, we presume. Meanwhile, the, the ones who are the team players trying not to make appearances look bad, canceled fundraisers. So I think consultants all over Washington are scrambling to put them back up, but there was some lost time there. But that is just how serious the shutdown loomed over everything. Abby, I want to take a quick break. And speaking of a bad look, when we come back, I want to ask you about Jamal Bowman, the squad member pulling a fire alarm during shutdown negotiations. We'll be right back. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Abby Livingston, who's filling us in on all the craziness on Capitol Hill over the last few days, including the wild and crazy story of Jamal Bowman, the Democratic congressman from New York, loud progressive. When I say loud, he likes to be in the mix. He is always making videos for social media. He's one of TikTok's biggest surrogates on the Hill. He did a press conference for TikTok when they're talking about banning it. He's, you know, been outside of courthouses, you know, calling Trump a white supremacist. He, you know, he's a attention magnet in the same way, you know, through the looking glass that maybe Matt Gates is on the Republican side. Bowman was caught on surveillance pulling a fire alarm uh, in one of the House office buildings during the negotiations. It's unclear why his excuse is that he thought it was a button to open the exit doors to get out of the building. He has uh, since then thrown his staff under the bus for talking points that called Republicans Nazis. He uh, is really not taking ownership of this. He doesn't have a lot of defenders. I saw AOC sort of tweet something attacking the NRCC for attacking Bowman. Uh, So maybe she's sort of defending him, her fellow member of the squad. This was seized on by Republicans. Yes, in kind of a bad faith way. I saw Scott Walker, the former governor of Wisconsin, say, lock him up. You know, obviously there were uh, (laughs) Democrats have uh, made a big deal about the Capitol insurrection and putting people uh, in jail 
who broke <laughs> into Capitol Hill. Democrats obviously have spent uh, a very long time condemning the Capitol Hill insurrection and the people who <laughs> violated a number of laws in and around the Capitol at that time. And so Republicans are now like, look at this guy. Are they going to put him in jail? Capitol Police are now investigating this. Abby, my take on this is Bowman presents himself very often as a as a know-it-all and <laughs> all of a sudden claiming ignorance <laughs> about this fire alarm doesn't totally pass the smell test. What was he doing? What's the gossip? I mean, so I got a call minutes after it happened from a Republican who was watching the proceedings. You can't get into someone's motive exactly, but the, mm. the Republican sense was basically Democrats were trying to delay a vote so they could read a bill. And so the Republican you know, worldview of Jamal Bowman's motives was to help with that process. I think it's also just important in this context to remember he is an educator and that is the oldest trick in the book. I think that term has been used, but I remember many a bomb threat or fire alarm in high school uh, when someone didn't study for a test. So that it's mm. just sort of rich in that context. But I think two things are interesting here. Well, three, one of his biggest defenders was just moments ago, George Santos said he deserved due process. But George Santos is in this story, in this context, because he's got a whole bunch of embarrassing problems for the Republican conference, as has Lauren Boebert going to the Beetlejuice performance, mm -hmm. Ronnie Jackson screaming at law enforcement at a rodeo, Derek Van Orden screaming mm -hmm. at pages. So I think there was a narrative coming into this fall that the House Republican conference was just kind of out of control. And now this has mitigated that because Democrats have a problem of their own when it comes to how you handle yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think also it's just fascinating from a sociological point of view, because all of these members are fairly junior. Mm. There have been tales from the past. I mean, John Boehner has written about having a knife pulled on him, I believe, on the House floor by a member. Mm. So there has been erratic behavior, but I just think there's a general sense of just not respecting the building and just juvenile mm. behavior. And it's it's just pretty incredible. Yeah, I think you're right. This was also happening during final sprint on Saturday toward a deal. And at the time, maybe not a deal. And Democrats were presenting themselves as the sober minded people who are trying to keep the government open against the GOP rascals, the out of control caucus, as you said, and it just really <laughs> disrupted that narrative in part because Bowman and frankly, other members of the squad are some of the most well-known Democratic members of Congress. I mean, like if if Jim McGovern <laughs> pulled fire alarm, like it would have been a bad look, but it wouldn't have gone so viral because Bowman is so much of a, of a provocative figure and Republicans really despise him. Is there any sort of talk about punishment coming from Democratic leadership here? You know, I looked up until the last minute. I didn't see any sort of commentary along those lines. But I remember sometimes I would sit outside the Capitol after votes on like a fly out day when everyone sort of skedaddles. And you'd see I remember seeing one congressman walk out kind of dejected. And the reporting mm. later showed he'd had a meeting with Paul Ryan where Paul Ryan came down really hard on him. And that's not Paul Ryan's nature. And we would call yeah. him trips to the principal's office. And so there has been in the past sort of a leader running quality control on members. And, mm. you know, it could have happened. I've just not been able to 
prove that, but this is an ongoing problem for leadership, particularly on the House side. This is really not as much of a Senate problem, Mm. but there just seems to be a complete loss of decorum. Yeah. And look, it's a problem of seriousness. This is the thing that, you know, this is true across the House specifically, honestly, and I think mostly on the Republican side. But I get that he and other members of the squad are like playing to the base and raising money and selling their merch. Uh, When Trump got his mugshot taken um, down in Georgia, you know, he posted a video uh, Bowman did of just himself laughing over like a green screen of Trump's mugshot behind him saying like, we got you, we got you. And it's just like to some people, perhaps in Westchester, which is within his district, perhaps (laughs) in, uh, you know, New Rochelle and Mount Vernon and White Plains. Some of those Democratic voters might not like that. I'm not saying that he's like going to get a primary challenge, but um, he seems like he might be more vulnerable to one after this because it is like just so fundamentally juvenile. I mean, like his... If if he loses a future election, I mean, this will be in the first paragraph of his political obituary. I don't know. It's it's too far out. But what I can say is something like that does not play at the Capitol in a way it may have a few years ago. I don't even know if it would have played well then. But this is a place that is a huge security threat. There's been an insurrection. Mm. There have been a series of episodes that are terrifying at the Capitol. And so I just think people are on edge Kevin McCarthy has expressed interest in kicking this to the Ethics Committee. Mm. It's unclear if the Ethics Committee will have any teeth on this one, but it just was a step too far. And it's one of those things that you just have to remember. This is a building where people are really frightened and mm. it's it's just not funny. Thank you for pointing that out, Abby, because I, I frequently talk not just to you, but you know some other friends who work on Capitol Hill and either in the press or for members and what happened on January 6th specifically, and there's been many scares since then, it's not something to be taken lightly. So I hope I never feel like I am making light of it. Abby, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, to dissect all this stuff. We'll have you back on in a few days. Thanks for having me, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.